Warning! This show contains adult themes and language, including Bigfoot's dick. Disevidentia is an inability to reliably process evidence, and this is a podcast all about it. This episode was released on February 14th, 2022, and we are discussing disevidentia because it is clear millions of people with the illusion of choice are suffering from it. I am Mako. And I am Squeaky. We discuss logic and evidence because someone has to break down your favorite infographic. You can support us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash disevidentia. If you spent all your money buying all the newspapers and radio stations in Minot, North Dakota, you can still like, subscribe, and leave a review to help us out. If you have a paper you have written or a small business to plug, let us know. Today we are going to discuss disevidentia in the wild, media consolidation, and furries shitting in the hallways. You're having a hard time priming yourself to say Bigfoot's dick, aren't you? No, I'm just noticing that... Uh, uh, n- nothing, no, nothing, never mind, it's fine. I mean, it's easy to notice if it pokes you in the eye. Good news, since our last half episode came out, we haven't heard of any corrections from the community. Yay, we're doing something good enough. Well, it's only been one week this time, so maybe it's terrible and the normal people who listen just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I have seen Disevidentia in the wild a little bit more than we had in the past. Okay. We're left-leaning for Americans, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I was in some subreddit that was talking about left-leaning policies, and there was a link to join the left Discord. And in order to join, there were some red flags. There were hammers and sickles everywhere. Oh. You know, maybe a group like that just wants to scare away people who are extremely conservative. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. And it still is concerning, right? Yeah, it's eyebrow raising at a minimum. Okay. But in order to join, you have to message one of their administrators and you have to answer this big list of questions, including like where you sit on the political spectrum, how you feel about different things, and how you feel about Cuba, North Korea, and China. If... The cost of entry is stating where you are in the political spectrum. It already sounds like they're deliberately constructing an echo chamber. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. Uh, But I went ahead and answered it. I wanted to see the inside of an echo chamber. I wasn't going to lie to get in. And when I started saying very easily fact-based things about Cuba and North Korea, they mostly backed off. One of them, multiple admins started talking with me. One of them claimed to be from Cuba and said that what I said wasn't true. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll back off, right? Maybe my news source is not entirely accurate or maybe... Maybe I subtly conveyed something slightly wrong, like the difference between left and progressive. Yeah, there's some subtleties there. Yeah. Okay, so maybe there was some subtlety like that, but on the topic of Cuba. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned lots of different ways where the Chinese government was demonstrably oppressive. And one of them was the Uyghur genocide, which is a thing that I'm pretty sure is real. I mean, I haven't gone there, haven't seen them, but I suspect they would just push me into the camp too if I had. Yeah, maybe. And they were like, well, how do you know you're not just believing right-wing propaganda? And I'm like, well, I I can check sources. We need to check against reality. Their response was, well, what do you think of this Reddit post? And they linked to a Maoism subreddit. Okay. The banner was a bright red Chinese flag. And I don't even know how to articulate this. You know, when flat earthers make all the bad arguments and when they're rebutting a big list of points that NASA made to say that the world is round... And they might say just like a logical fallacy, like, yeah, sure, they shared pictures, but how do you know those pictures weren't made with fisheye lenses? And just, Sure, just that whole flavor of dismissiveness. Yeah, and this thing wasn't short. It looked like it reached the Reddit max post length, so like 10,000 characters or whatever, not a short thing. And he cited, it looked like it cited a ton of sources, but when it did, it was like, We're going to dismiss all of the firsthand accounts of Uyghurs because one time one American put up one fake witness. It also happened to be George W. Bush putting up a fake witness for something. And actually, there was reason to believe he thought it was true at the time. So that's not related to this. Yeah, we all acknowledge, or at least I acknowledge, fake witnesses can be a thing. But they presented no evidence that these witnesses, the many witnesses of the Uyghur genocide that we have here in the States and in other Western countries, are uh, were fake. They're just asserting it. And then when there's really good arguments about statistics, right, the, there are statistics that like birth rates in the Uyghur controlled areas in China, the birth rates are just dropping through the floor. And the default defense people go to is, yeah, but the birth control policies affect everyone in China. 
And I'm like, well, then why are the Uyghur birth rates not in line with the rest of China? Why are they much lower? Yeah. And why are adults dying? Why is the Uyghur population gone from like 9% to like some lower percent? I don't know the exact numbers, but it was a real percentage shift. Yeah. So doing a little bit of reading, going to Wikipedia for the Uyghur genocide, and then just going down to the sources section, there were over 400 sources. And I just picked several at random and started reading. And everything was like really compelling evidence. So I came back to this guy and I'm like, look, man, maybe it is right-wing propaganda, but you gave me a really bad source to say that. It might be propaganda. And I, I took a screenshot of the Wikipedia sources, pasted it in, and then I was banned. Huh. They didn't want to hear anything else from me anymore. Not, not even a retort or anything, just immediate ban, no appeal. Yeah, immediate ban, no appeal. Uh, and the reason, the reason for the ban was, and I'm quoting, the entire reason was liberal. Wow. So, I'm a, echo chamber confirmed. Yeah. So that's just one way that, yeah, one one other way disevidentia can exist. And I'm trying to, I don't know, bias more credibility with people who are more conservative leaning. I mean, going out to that extreme way out on the left where you're sucking at China's dick, that's uh, pretty far the fuck out there. But... There are real people who believe this. I mean, there's a political alignment. If you're near nearer to the left than Fox News, you might be aware of a group of people called tankies. People who thought the Soviet Union should have rolled the tanks on into Europe and gave communism to everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think instilling an ideology with violence is generally a good idea. I mean, I could see some exceptions, but post-World War II, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think so. Seemed like a good idea was to stop fighting then. Whatever. We're way off topic here. Yeah. That's unfortunate, finding that shit on Reddit, which I'm sure there's plenty of things like that. But, I mean, they tend to keep to themselves because if they're open, then they're more prone to harassment. And that's that's why they make these private communities that you need to request the mods to give you access to. Yeah. It's not the type of thing that you really encounter much out in the wild. Yeah, I agree. And if somebody is demanding that you explain your beliefs on the topic before you come into the thing, you can be pretty sure that on the inside it's not... A group interested in going after... Yeah, they're shielding the community from what you might say to that thing. Yeah, if you're shielding a community from ideas rather than behaviors, you're not interested in the truth. It's the thing that I take into account when we're doing moderation for our stuff. We let people say whatever kind of content they want, but if they're being an asshole or a dick or intolerant about it, no, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. We even had a, a group of trolls try to come in and, and do a bunch of shit recently. And, God, the one guy made a Google website as his own source. Did you, were you there for that? No, I don't think I was. Not that one. Okay, okay. Check out the Discord. Which channel? Uh, I think if you check the memes, you can see the picture of it. But if you weren't there, it was part of the discussion. Oh, my God. Did it, did it actually scroll up? Yeah, if you look up uh, to February 1st. The Center for Moral Corruptedness and Preservation of Morality in Our Nation. Our latest stats show that this is the current trend. Here you go. It's right near your mouse. You just passed it. That thing. This is the website that the asshole made. But most of the argument happened in Pound General. Some of it happened in uh, Pound COVID-19, where he just tried to claim it was fake. And we were like, no, bullshit. And some of it happened over in Biblical Nonsense. One of the trolls, I accidentally deleted all their content, all their comments. But you can see the cubic gamer. He's one of them. But anyway, we let people come in and say whatever. But when you start being a jackass or obviously not responding to ideas, that's when we get rid of you. Did you unmute the server? No. We have some other ways to get a hold of us other than our Discord. Uh, don't we want to do the Spotify thing first? Okay, we can do the delete Spotify thing first. So shifting away from echo chambers, yep. jo Joe Rogan has kind of produced the exact opposite of an echo chamber and is just shouting his bad ideas out there terribly. This is kind of in line with that. Let whatever ideas in, but push out the bad behaviors. Joe Rogan has bad ideas, and he's unwilling to change them in response to evidence, in response to good ideas, in response to experts. And he keeps pushing ivermectin as a cure for COVID. Yeah, he issues, like, shitty apologies, but then he just keeps on saying his shitty ideas. So it's like... Yeah, he's getting people okay. hurt. People are hurting themselves based on emulating him or taking his advice. His, his apologies are both half-assed and don't sound like apologies when you listen to them. So uh, he's in some hot water because 
musical artists wanted to pull their music off Spotify. Uh, the biggest one that I've heard of is Neil Young. I know a couple others have done it. Yep. And the ultimatum from these musicians was, you don't get to stream our music if you keep this level of harmful misinformation. So they pulled their, their music. This is kind of a big deal because 31% of all digital music that's uh, sold, delivered, streamed, whatever, goes through Spotify. That's quite a bit. And if you just look at streamed, it's even bigger. Behind them, the next biggest deliverer of music is Apple's iTunes Music Store. That's what I figured would be number one, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Apple wants to claim that they're bigger because they want to claim that people play the songs many times, but it's hard to confirm that. Even Apple doesn't really know. I see. Something else that happened during this was people were trying to delete their Spotify accounts. So when we shared the hashtag delete Spotify, people were having issues doing that. Well, even one of the people in, in our Discord was discussing how, how difficult it was, and he shared screenshots how when he went to the cancellation page, it just stopped loading, it timed out. And it looked like it was one of those deals where you call customer service and customer service tells you, go do it on the web page. You go to the web page, it doesn't work, it times out or it tells you to call customer service. MarketWatch saw this and they reached out to Spotify and asked for a comment on why this was happening and Spotify refused to respond. So I'm pretty sure it's intentional, but it's also one of those things that we couldn't ever prove. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, finally, the... Uh, yeah, the CEO, Daniel Eck, uh, is citing ethics for not pulling Joe Rogan. Something about not wanting to perform censorship or something. No, the same old tired censorship complaint. Yeah, they've pulled tons of other people for doing way less about COVID. They just weren't making them Joe Rogan levels of money. Yeah. Yeah, so it's censorship when they want to ban Joe Rogan, but it's not censorship when they want to ban some conspiracy loon who only makes him a dollar, right? It's just, no, Daniel X clearly lying and full of shit on that one. And we'll put links to, to both of these. They're both from MarketWatch. They both were the day this really started picking up. Any other thoughts on delete Spotify or this echo chamber bullshit? And the subtle distinction there, because it is subtle, and people will call us hypocrites for saying both these things. Uh, not really. We can address those as they come. Yeah. Well, maybe. They're going to call it to us, not in our space. They're going to say it out in the wild. The best we can do is say that it's not hypocrisy and play the whole fucking segment, asshole. Mm. Speaking of uh, bits of the media that we do control, there's several ways you can get in touch with us and share your ideas. If you think our ideas are bad, you can correct us. Mm -hmm. If you correct us, we'll give you a flash drive. There's some limitations on this. We won't do it forever, but if it's any of the past, what, three episodes we've been saying, and as long as we haven't given out more than three flash drives for that episode, you get one. Yeah. Okay. If you want to support us financially, there's Patreon. You can just go to uh, patreon.com slash disevidentia. If you want to talk to us on Reddit, we have a subreddit, r slash disevidentia. If you want to tweet at us and tell us how bad our ideas are in 140 or fewer characters, it's at disevidentia on Twitter. We have a Discord that you can chat with us in. The link to the Discord is in the show notes. We have a, a YouTube channel as well. That link is equally unsightly, so that'll be in the show notes also. You can email us at contact at disevidentia.com. And you can read the show notes, transcript, and uh, see all of our sources at disevidentia.com. But we don't have a Facebook, because fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Why the hell is everything redirecting to Fox News? I wanted to simulate a world where Rupert Murdoch bought the whole internet. So, I need to reset the router. Um, it might be harder th than that. Uninstall software on my computer? Did you install malware on my PC? It's worse than that. How the hell is it? W wait, what is that behind your back? Definitely not a soldering iron. Give me that. No, it's still hot. What did you do? Look, inside your computer. What even is this? It's like you Picassoed all the electronics. I reworked it so it thinks that the only phrase is Fox News. It can't type or accept anything else. With just a soldering iron? Even if it adds two and two, the answer is... Fox News? Hey, you can get a new one at ABK Customs. I shouldn't even need to get a new one. But you can have a custom one built and save 10% if you give them code evidence. That's ABKKUSTOMZ.com. We know it's good because Mako buys a new one every episode. So, new news in the world of 
the ongoing COVID pandemic that we all wish would finally be over and plenty of people have convinced themselves is over. It's actually the title of today's uh, 538 podcast episode. I haven't listened, but the title is Americans are done with COVID. What does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are getting sick of COVID, but sorry to say it's still out there and it's not exactly getting worse, but okay. Anyway, whatever. Newest news. There is a new Omicron variant that has been spotted and is currently being studied. There's a lot that we don't know about it. In fact, most of the things about it, we still don't know about it other than it exists. But the one thing we do know is that it is more infectious than the original Omicron variant. What the fuck does that even mean? Omicron's like the most infectious thing ever. And this one's more infectious than that. So its title has been taken away from from it. The, the fuck does it like come with little jet planes when you sneeze and just flies and hits everybody in town? I, does it spread through eye contact? Usually when it comes to infectiousness, it has to do with the viral load that the, the virus produces. So yeah, it just makes more of itself. And for any given cough, sneeze or breath or anything else like that, it's going to be spreading more of the virus than other variants. That's generally what infectiousness means. That's a damn simple explanation i didn't have i really didn't expect you to have one of those (laughs) (laughs) now you know now i know thank you yes i i don't know anything except how to learn things and then i forget them i don't know anything about what i did last episode i just relearn things every episode so this this is great okay good i'm (laughs) glad i can help i think so i had been considering dropping the covid minute or suggesting that we drop the covid minute but then, yeah, we get a new variant because if it's, if it's just COVID, right, if it's just a pandemic and we're all dealing with it, if it's a problem, we don't need to talk about it. We, we're discussing misinformation and people getting hurt because of wrong beliefs and just stupid shit. That's what we discuss. But there was a doctor in uh, an Arkansas prison who gave more than a dozen inmates ivermectin to treat their COVID. And he did it both without their knowledge and without their consent. Okay, I I want to say that at least he's trying something, but there's this whole legal world of medical autonomy that has some words to say about that. Yeah, and it's not like ivermectin's a gentle drug. It'll fuck you up. It has its own side effects. It's a reason we just don't give it out to people for every parasite they get, which it is a real medicine. It stops parasites. Yeah. But it has real drawbacks. It makes you nauseous. It can make your liver fail. You need monitoring. It can do it can do shit to you, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do shit to viruses. Wasn't We've... there a story about somebody who was taking ivermectin and then they just kind of expelled their intestinal lining and then they're like, look, that's the COVID being flushed out. <sighs> So I don't know if that one specifically has happened, but for all of these pseudoscience cures, yeah, yeah, lots of people do stupid shit like drink bleach and then shit out their intestine, the, the lining of their intestines. And like, look, the COVID, and it, they, they say it looks like worms or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that sounds familiar. It's a lot of people. Or there was a one where there were kids with autism and the parents were claiming to cure autism. Oh, yeah. And they were giving their kids bleach enemas. I heard about that one. Yeah, yeah, and then the kids would shit out their intestines, and the parents were like, look, my kid's shitting out worms. That's the autism coming out. The autism worms. If you're dumb enough to put bleach in your child's asshole, you don't know that autism isn't caused by worms. Yeah. It's, for people who don't know, autism is purely genetic. There's no communicability to it. You have it or you don't. That's that. It's just a mental state that you have your whole life. And the medicines we have largely treat the symptoms of not having the same social or sensory filters the rest of us have. And these people aren't dumb or wrong. They're just not tolerated by a lot of people. Yeah. Anyway. So this doctor, this doctor, Robert Carras, I'm naming and shaming. He's a public figure. He's a government employee. He's done a dumb thing. Uh, This doctor, Robert Carras, is being sued by the ACLU. So fuck that guy. We need to keep the COVID minute for at least a few more episodes because Joe Rogan won't shut up. Fucking doctors in the deep south won't stop poisoning inmates. And then basic science. Omicron's going to kill us all. It's becoming even more infectious. It's not going to kill us all. You're right. Yeah, you, it's going to kill 1% of us. The, what was it, flu epidemic of, was it 1918? Was that the yeah, last big one? Yeah, 1918, 1919, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. It had a lethality in like the 3 to 5% range, didn't it? It was, it was pretty lethal. And I'm sure in the moment, a lot of people were like, oh my God, this is it. And then the dust kind of settled. And how these things historically have settled. And we have way more medical science than we've ever had before. So maybe the dust will settle a little bit different. And maybe the next time this happens, it'll settle differently. But historically, 
how these epidemics settle is everyone who is susceptible to the virus dies and then everyone else just keeps going because they're not susceptible to the virus. Now, when you say susceptible here, you mean lethally susceptible because most people talk about susceptibility in terms of catching it. You're talking about succumbing. Not specifically dying to the virus itself, but being weakened enough by the virus such that you could potentially die or be removed from the gene pool or or something along those lines, even through secondary effects. So just to continue the gen- the general through line we've had in talking about a few numbers during the COVID minute, death counts. We're up to 932,000 deaths in the U.S., so we're approaching a million. They're at 2 million deaths in Europe, and Europe is... Your eyebrows just rose, didn't it? It's a lot. It is. Well, there's a much larger economic range of people in Europe, is my understanding. People way out in Eastern Europe and down in the Balkans, there just isn't as much money as there is in the U.S. And we we invented like three of the vaccines or something. Not all of them. One of them was done in Germany. Yeah, debatably the most popular one. Yeah, the Pfizer one, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then also the population, there's like half a million or 600 million, I'm sorry, half a billion or 600 million people in Europe, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's around double the population of the U.S. We're at about 300 million, 350 million. So a, a yeah, little three, less than double. 350 to 360 is what I, my understanding of what it was. Yeah. So if you doubled our population and doubled our deaths, we'd be at 1.8 million. We're not that far off. We're doing just ever so slightly better. But that also might be attributable to us just being way more rural than any other country of this economic level yeah we definitely are more spaced out but we are also more interconnected like you're not wrong we have more like air travel we have a lot of highways a lot a lot of highways but i think europe has a lot more trains and public transportation and stuff like that yeah so something i didn't see anywhere in europe i saw one county in nebraska that had zero infections now that might be because the county has like five people. Okay. They caught it and just can't get it anymore. Maybe. And it is Nebraska. You say that like being a Nebraska resident somehow imparts some COVID immunity. I mean, distance is a sort of COVID immunity. Sure, we're in the center, but we're far from everything. Okay. These people presumably still have to get supplies though. It's not like they're being in contact with nobody. They have corn. <laughs> Most of the corn <laughs> in our state goes to the cows. <laughs> Yeah. Can cows transmit COVID? It's not like they're cats. But it, okay. <laughs> they can't eat the corn. Therefore, they need to get other supplies from humans. They eat the cows. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is some bullshit. They have to harvest the corn. And they, there's other supplies, like fuel, for example. Unless they're getting the fuel from the cow farts. No, we can make fuel. At, we can make ethanol-based fuels out of corn. Yeah, can the farmers... Yeah, I don't know about any one specific farmer, but that equipment isn't actually that big. <laughs> Sorry, this is not... This is not constructive. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, no, it's not constructive. Uh, on the positive side, the vaccination rate keeps going up. 76.5% of Americans are fully vaccinated. So let's keep that number going up. It's only a couple percentage points since last episode, but... Well, hasn't the uh, the question of how vaccinated people are shifted from fully vaccinated to fully vaxxed and boosted. I don't know how this compares to previous numbers, but according to the Washington Post, about 30% of Americans have been boosted. That's not as good as I was hoping for, but... It just started in December or November. Yeah. Considering that a third of the country's gotten it in like two, three months, that's pretty good. I think what's going to happen is these first couple of months are going to be really fast. We're going to have a long period of maybe like 10 months where we get up to 70, 80%. And then the last of the people are either never going to get it or slowly get it as they're mandated because they're left out of some specific thing. Like, remember a few episodes ago when we did the interview with the person whose grandmother was dying? Yeah. Yeah, the grandfather in that case got vaccinated so he could go into the hospital. Yeah, I've heard of a a few people that were in that position, which sucks. Yeah. But, I mean, the nature of boosters, like, we're likely to continue to need boosters for the foreseeable future. By the time we get to, at this rate, seemingly, assuming that the the vaccination, or the booster rate, rather, declines in an intuitive manner, before we even get to 50% boosted, we're going to have another booster. There is some logic to that. And I think a lot of people fear injections every quarter or something. And likely it'll just shake out like the flu vaccine. You should get one every year. Okay. So maybe I'm just full of shit. That's entirely possible. I don't have a source saying that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. No, believe me when I have sources and they're good. All right, fine. Fuck you. Typing noises. Shuffling noises. More shuffling noises. Crack, pop, computer opening noises. (laughs) 
one of our listeners sent in an infographic. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were curious what we thought about it. This is a really large, scroll-tastic infographic by the looks of it. Oh, yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes, and we'll make sure it's on screen and probably scrolling by slowly for all of our YouTube viewers. But for now, Mako, do you have it on your screen? I do not. Um, there's a link. I do now. Okay. So it's huge. It's seriously like if it were a page wide, it would be like eight pages long or something. Yep. But it's titled A Media Consolidation, The Illusion of Choice. And we went through and vetted the sources, checked what it was saying. And many of the claims check out, but it's kind of old now. And a lot of the sources just they don't exist anymore. They result in four fours. Yeah, we were discussing that in the the prep for this episode. And it appears to, like you said, it has a lot of accuracies, but it really, really hasn't aged well. Yeah. Okay, so it was made in 2011, so it's like 10 years old now. Yeah. It's talking about six companies own most of the stuff, and it goes over notable properties that each company has, like how News Corp owns Fox, Wall Street Journal, New York Post, but they leave out the sun because that hadn't happened yet. So this problem has continued. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like six companies they mention, CBS, Time Warner, Viacom, Disney, News Corp, and GE own pretty much all of the big media stuff, right? Like, people might think MTV is big business, but it's just one thing Viacom does. 90% of media is the specific claim, is owned by these six companies. Yeah, and I don't know if that's better or worse today. It's still problematic. I did, skipping ahead slightly. Go ahead, go ahead. I did look this up, and actually it is worse today than it is what's being conveyed in this infographic. That makes sense. We haven't done anything to fix the problem, and the problem is being pushed by people who want it to get worse. Specifically, Viacom and CBS on this list, yep. they've merged. So it's now five companies owning 90%. Viacom and CBS merged. Yep. Holy crap. I don't like the, the slant that this infographic takes. It says 232 media executives control the information diet of 277 million Americans. So yes, a small group of people controlling the view of a large group of people is bad, but this also gives it to us in a super biased not consistent in, in a context-free way, right? Like, I don't know how disastrous that actually is. Maybe that's not a problem because it's always been that way and we had good information access in the past. Or maybe it's so much worse than it used to be and there's less emotional, more, I don't know, fact-based ways to communicate that. But then they try to provide context for things like these revenue numbers, where they say the revenue of these companies is so many billions, and that's bigger than the GDP of Finland, enough to buy every NFL team 12 times, five times the government bailout of GM. That dates it, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, they still talk a lot about cable, and then they talk about how few... Oh my god, they mentioned Dig. <laughs> that dates it too. <laughs> yeah, Dig doesn't exist at all anymore. 178 million unique users read Time Warner News every month. That's twice as big as Dig, Tumblr, and Reddit combined. Okay. I think we're starting to look at how problematic infographics can be, but why don't we save that for just a moment? Sure. Let's skip down to, to, to the end so we can discuss some of the problems with this infographic specifically. At the bottom it says, brought to you by Frugal Dad. Who or what the fuck is Frugal Dad? I have no fucking clue when I checked. Okay. T today there is a blog called Frugal Dad. Maybe Frugal Dad used to be about finance news in general, but in the past week they had three different recipes that let you make cheap food for your kids. Maybe. Another thought I had is maybe there was some specific social media website of some kind. Maybe it was fucking Dig itself. Where this person was a user on that website, compiled all of this, posted it there under the username Frugal Dad, <laughs> and expected people to just pick up the context from that. That's entirely possible. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, more to try to dig into where this thing came from. I did a reverse image search, and I found 315 different copies of this image or something really close. Like our copy of it has the little iFunny banner down at the bottom. So it's been rehosted on iFunny. Okay. So that's why ours looks so JPEGged. But there's no original source. A bunch of these things were like random WordPress blogs, the kinds of low quality things we were lambasting right wing sources for. So, you know, and a bunch of them were Russian sources actually too. There was like a Russian image sharing website was up there. That's pretty sus. And I have no reason to believe that this originated in Russia. Many of the claims actually do check out. But the sources that were on here, which is good, right? If you see an oh, yeah. infographic and it doesn't mention sources, delete it and move on. Just it, it, It's not worth your time if it doesn't have sources at all. If it has sources, it was probably made in good faith 
But like this one, let's say there's an error, right? If somebody made a version 2 of this infographic, the infographic has no way to tell you that it's the most up-to-date version. Not that they even try to version them. But then the sources on this, there are 19 sources, and 11 of them broke. This is great. I teased this one to Mako before the podcast. Mm-hmm. Any guess how, like, the different ways they broke? Any guess how that breaks down? Well, I mean, you said 11 of the 19 don't work. Okay. I'd imagine... A lot of it is 404s. That's good. Six of them were 404s on a web page that was still up. So that there are five other failures from these things. Three three more ways they failed. Uh, I'd imagine at least one of them probably shows information unrelated to the topic. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> we'll save that one for last. Okay. Three of them didn't load at all. Just the web page just was gone. Just the top level domain, gone. Okay. Okay. Uh, two of them. The URL changed. I guess one of those was kind of also a 404, but because when I put the original URL in, one of them would redirect me to the right place and one of them 404'd, and then I was able to use the the resources of the site to go back in and find it. But then the last one, okay? The last one, the source empcom.com, empcom.com. Okay, I see that. Slash public slash blah print dot CFM, yeah. Has been replaced with an Indonesian porn and gambling site porn and gambling yep you can do your gambling and see some titties over at this thing that this infographic cited that i don't even know man maybe in some indonesian language because it's a big it's a country with a lot of people yeah of course so they speak multiple languages lots of asian stuff maybe phonetically it turns into something in some other language i don't know okay well that's uh neat okay this uh this shows a problem with sources. Did you try any of these in the Wayback Machine? No, I probably could and I probably should. Okay. No, that's that is an obvious next step if we wanted to dig, to dig deeper. Okay. But we just worked around that by just checking some of the claims, right? Like Yeah, yeah. If you had an infographic and it gave you sources, you could check them in the Wayback Machine. And we should do a a link to that. But the Wayback Machine is just a web page that will let you view what older versions of web pages look like. It tries to archive a whole copy of the internet as often as possible. And hit web pages that change more often so we can just keep a, a living record of, of what's been viewed and what's going on. Yeah. Squeaky from the future here. I went ahead and punched a bunch of those web pages that failed to load into the Wayback Machine. Was able to get compete.com to load, but not the specific page that let us compare the things it was looking to compare. It did look like it was just one of those sites that dynamically generated comparisons. Probably useful at the time for getting a real specific number, but again, context free. The Wayback Machine didn't have the New York Daily News article. There was an article from msb.edu that was a very emotional appeal about the consolidation of news under a single banner in Minot, North Dakota. Wasn't able to get the Olympics fact sheet, and uh, Bloomberg News was a bust. EPMcom.com wasn't always porn. The Wayback Machine has the actual article, and it seems to be a bunch of legitimate numbers. I didn't know Hello Kitty was worth nearly as much as Disney Princesses. But I'll drop a whole bunch of extra sources in the show notes so you can take a look for yourself if you're so inclined. Now, uh, a problem with sourcing. In addition to your citations changing, because, you know, if we link to Wikipedia, Wikipedia can get rid of the page. But you can minimize how much that impacts the veracity of a thing you're making if you connect your sources to specific claims. Wikipedia and our podcast are both really good about this. When we use a source, we timestamp it. We bring it down to the second, and that's the second we use the source at. Okay. If a source that you're trusting connects specific claims to specific sources, then when those sources disappear, you don't have to distrust the whole thing. You can see if modern sources still back that up. Like, every Wikipedia page does this. At the end of each sentence that makes a claim, they put a little link to a source. Yeah, a numbered citation that takes you to the bottom of the page that gives you more concrete information about the source itself. Yeah, so when we do our links to our specific timestamps, you can see how much sourcing we put into any one part. This infographic fails to do that entirely, and it wouldn't be that hard. They could put numbers in there. They could put daggers or asterisks or put the sources right in line. Yeah. So going over their sources, I did learn a few interesting things. I learned that one of the bigger problems here is Rupert Murdoch being ridiculously political and hiding all of his money away in tax havens and then using that money to pay politicians to get laws loosened in not just the U.S., but all over the place. But none of the things in this were new news to me, right? Because this infographic is from 10 years ago and its sources are from older times. Yeah. Some of its sources weren't even relevant. Like, it made claims about the top 40 songs that were on the radio station and then it links to the Billboard music. And I'm like, you know what? That that might verify 
what songs you're playing, but it really doesn't help with the overall. Yeah, I think they were thinking that there's homogenization within the media, but then like, but this is where all the money is. So, I mean, yeah, there is homogenization, but you, you don't need this like creative oppression in order to explain it. It's it's just money. You know, there's actually a, a Future of Music link that did work and will be in our notes with an infographic sites that actually discusses that but it has industry leaders talking about it instead of me, so I don't have a well-formed opinion or enough knowledge there. I will say there's plenty of great free music out there. Oh, yeah. Tons of open-source music, and some of it's awesome. Like, actually, the, the guitar riff we use in the opening of our podcast is Creative Commons licensed. So some guy just played it and said, hey, do what you want with it. I'm like, cool. Now I have to make a podcast. <laughs> I don't think that's quite the order of things there, but okay. I don't know, man. That happened a year ago. Oh, a whole year. Uh, that definitely means you don't remember it anymore. Yeah. When, when did I say I forgot things? Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. It's okay. CEO, founder. Fuck, no, I forgot his name. Let me get this dipshit's name. It's my understanding you've done some research on media consolidation. Oh, just kind of looking up where things are right now. I pulled up the Wikipedia page. It's one of the places I go for a lot of our stories. But in the case of this one, the Wikipedia page is just very densely packed with all sorts of information that, I mean, if I were to try to cover that in the podcast, it it would immediately make the podcast, this topic, a two-episode thing. And it's just, no. So if Wikipedia was sexier and more approachable and just... Like an infographic. Then more people would listen. The, so, the problem is infographics don't stay accurate and so many are bad. Ugh. It, we'll, Ugh. We'll, we'll circle back to pros and cons of infographics. You know, we I skipped over that. Yeah, we okay, yeah. Let's circle back to it after. But I just wanted to cover where things are right now because, like I said, the infographic you found is old. And I did mention that we are went from six companies down to five, owning 90% of all U.S. media. Those five companies are a little bit different than the other list that's in the infographic. Uh, It starts with AT&T, then Comcast, Walt Disney Company, Viacom CBS, and Fox Corporation. Doesn't News Corp own Fox? Uh, maybe? Yeah, I'm pretty sure News Corp owns Fox. News Corporation was split into two separate companies on June 28th, 2013, with publishing assets and Australian media assets going to a spinoff known as News Corp, and broadcasting and media assets going to 21st Century Fox. Both companies remain under the control of Rupert Murdoch, although Murdoch has reduced involvement in the News Corp. Most of 21st Century Fox's properties are now owned by Walt Disney Company through their acquisition of the company, while others have gone into the newly founded Fox Corporation or sold to other companies. Okay, so Disney got Fox Entertainment. Fox became a giant news broadcasting thing under Rupert Murdoch. And then News Corp became all of the TV and radio stuff that used... I'm sorry, radio was still under Fox, but all of the written word stuff is now under News Corp. So things like the Wall Street Journal, the Sun, uh, the New York Post, those are all News Corp. Um... Uh, The second incarnation of News Corporation, stylized as News Corp, is an American media and publishing company operating across digital real estate information, news media, book publishing, cable television, incorporated in Delaware, headquartered in, of course it's incorporated in Delaware. The tax benefits, man. Yeah. Get out of those taxes for free. Uh, And headquartered in New York City. It was formed in 2013 as a spinoff of the original News Corporation founded by Rupert Murdoch in 1980. It includes... Dow Jones and Company, News UK, publisher of The Sun and The Times, News Corp Australia, REA Group, Realtor.com, book publisher, HarperCollins. Yeah. And all of that is owned by Fox Corporation. Wait, so Fox owns News Corp? Is what you're saying? That's what the other page said. Okay, okay. I thought it was News Corp and Fox were both owned by Rupert Murdoch. Oh, no, okay. I think you might be right. But that's how complex this topic is, because we rarely have to touch it. We read up on this just for this episode, and it can be hard to keep track of. So if you're trying to do things like search for multiple sources for information, and you're like, oh, the New York Post and the Sun both agree on it, that means that I can use that to cross-check Fox News. Okay. Well, that's, that's not an accurate way to get at information. Sorry, rereading it, News Corporation was split into two uh, companies, and one of the companies went under Fox Corporation. The other one is distinct. 
Okay, so there's two News Corps, News Corp under Fox, News Corp on its own. Fox does mostly broadcasting. The separate News Corp under Rupert Murdoch does mostly paper and web written word, but there's a little bit of overlap here and there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Rupert Murdoch controls all of it regardless. So because Rupert Murdoch can insert his bias where he wants... You can't use the Sun or the Globe or the New York Post to check what's on Fox News. Yep. Blah. Yeah. So this is a huge list, and we have a link to a chart that conveys some of these things. Wait, 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 wait. AT&T controls DirecTV. You know what? I'm wrong. Okay, I'll just erase that part. Sure. They have a, a rather, they have a 70% stake in DirecTV, it that looks like. 51% is functionally owning most of the time. Yep. But okay. Um, and that's just uh, noticing that what the chart says. So yeah, AT&T, Comcast, Disney, Viacom, CBS, Fox Corporation. And those are listed in the revenues that they produce. AT&T produces or has, did produce in 2019, mandatory caveats, they produced $181.19 billion. Comcast made $108.94 billion. Walt Disney produced $69.57 billion. Viacom CBS is at $27.81 billion. And Fox Corporation, $11.39 billion. Those revenue numbers are gigantic. Yes. So we've said a couple times we were going to circle back to the pros and cons of infographics. Yep. So infographics, they do have a place. They have problems that we've touched on. Like, they tend to be assembled by people that are not quite following proper sourcing rules or are just not sourced whatsoever. That's a pretty big problem. I, I would also argue that many infographics are intentionally made to deceive. Not all of them, and that is problematic because plenty of them are great. Yeah. Some of them from, come from reliable sources like Kurzgesagt. <laughs> yeah, so some people make manipulative infographics and some people make them earnestly. Yeah. And then oftentimes the people who make them earnestly don't source them well, don't provide good citations. This one that we got was actually above average. Yes. Right? Even 10 years later, almost half the links worked. And I was able to then even tease out a couple more because some of the ones that for afford, I searched on the web page and, and, you know, found the original article, read it and did, did a little bit of fact checking. Yeah. Well, one thing that infographics absolutely do well is they condense things and both good and bad they provide a good vehicle for conveying some amount of emotion and okay yeah emotion for the sake of emotion in any given argument is just going to be bad that that is just manipulating people but if you're trying to build a social movement and you're trying to tell people why a thing is bad you need to com- you need to convey emotion it's literally required yeah you have to create that engagement and you have to work emotion in in order to create that engagement what i would love to start seeing and what would make infographics more credible to me is if people dated their infographics and we just started ignoring them when they were above a a certain age. That could work. Now, that does require buy-in, but it also means we could start up a rule that says if the infographic isn't dated, ignore it. So, yeah. yeah. That would protect from, like, some of the pitfalls of genuinely crafted infographics, but it doesn't protect from maliciously crafted infographics. Well, it sort of helps there. If the infographics have a date, because you can't really lie about the date or put the date in the future, the best you can do is if you're the person putting out malicious infographics is keep redating it and keep publishing it. But th- that raises the cost to put an infographic out there. So if people get in the habit of just ignoring old infographics or undated infographics, then malicious infographics, okay, it doesn't fix the problem, but it raises their cost. Sure. I would imagine, given how easy it is to just make up bullshit or make a meme, yeah. I would imagine the cost is a rather trivial one because... But the redistributing. We don't see all the memes that don't catch on. Sure. We talk about pondering orbs because in the social circles we've been in, the pondering orb, orb meme picked, picked up. But even then, we only saw dozens. Right? We didn't see them all. And if somebody has to redistribute their infographic every month to keep it up to date and spammy, then... I don't think it would be every month. That seems silly to me. That's it's you probably it probably wouldn't have to be every month, but it'd have to be somewhat often. And that means just dedicating people to the problem. So yeah, you could keep let's say Russia wanted to push out infographics about the Ukraine situation, right? They could. Give it time. <laughs> Give oh, it time. Goodness. <laughs> but they're gonna have to keep putting new ones out there and they won't be able to re reuse or recycle them and just there's been a whole bunch of Russia I know, a whole bunch of situations where pro-Russia infographics would have been great, like during the Syria conflict. And when I say great, I mean great for Russia. Of course. And, I don't know, 
I don't have any other ideas about this because images are freely distributable and I'm not going to advocate censoring all infographics because people use them for good things too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The, the dating them definitely reduces the problem space of infographics. I 100% agree with that. But I think some of the other things that you're saying it helps with, it, they do technically help, but they're just trivially circumvented. Yeah, okay. Well, are there other pros or cons? Brevity, the ability to mix emotion in for greater impact, uh, greater engagement, more digestible, so it's just inherently going to reach more people. Like We were joking about the, the Wikipedia page. This whole Wikipedia page was a single infographic instead. A lot more people would be interested. <laughs> yeah. God, do we need to start making disevidential infographics and date them? We should make an infographic about how to consume infographics. We could do that, I think. Don't forget to date it. You can't. I, I will ask our graphics guy. I will not make an infographic. I will coordinate with the graphics guy. Of course. Ah, oh, shit. Okay. So I guess we're in that business now. We'll see. We're, we're, we're going to talk and workshop maybe something. No promises. That's all. No promises. And sign up now at patreon.com to get your new Disevidentia infographic poster. We could do that. Oh, my God. It doesn't matter how sarcastic I say when I, I say the Patreon link. We actually could do any. Oh, we literally could do that. Let's go back to the flamethrower idea. What happened to that? I, why Why didn't we follow up on that? I, I don't know. I think we're waiting for a certain amount of revenue before we start escalating to prizes that large. Yeah, flamethrowers are expensive. It's very. still on the page, though. Or it's, it's still on the table, though. If we get enough money, we totally will give away flamethrowers. The U.S. hasn't changed laws yet. And given the deadlock in Congress, it never will. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, an ever-present thing. So as soon as we get large enough, that's all. Oh, my God. So you did some specific research into one group that was problematic. <laughs> Sinclair. Well, problematic, kind of. So... They want to compete with Fox News in the art of being right-wing. Kind of. Let me elaborate. <laughs> so Sinclair Broadcast Group has been picked on in particular. A whole lot of people described it as the Sinclair effect for when a parent media company buys a smaller media company and then enforces some kind of creative direction, creative control on the content or media that they release. The idea, specifically with the Sinclair Broadcast Group, because they go around acquiring local news stations and people were accusing them of forcing them to run conservative or right-leaning news segments, commercials, content, all that. And there has absolutely been a non-zero amount of that. It is trivially provable there's been a non-zero amount of it on july 3rd 2017 john oliver did an episode last week tonight where he discusses it and just quick rundown of what he says there are must-run segments that are created by sinclair that are then distributed to each of these news stations and again as the name suggests for must run they absolutely must run these segments at some point during their the times they're airing content most of these segments are noticeably conservative and right-leaning. One of them even included a guy that was a, a former Trump staffer. So if that gives you an idea of exactly how far right this goes. Now, was that the guy that was calling all college students snowflakes? No. Or was that the other guy that was lying about voter fraud? Lying about voter fraud. But that's the spectrum we're talking about, right? Yes. I presume there's some that are slightly less ridiculously right-leaning than that. Something like that. So in that guy's name... That was running the talking about the voter fraud for Obama. His name was Boris Epstein. That guy actually is Epstein. Epstein? Yeah, according to John Oliver. I'll trust him on pronouncing a guy's name. Sure. Whereas the other one, the uh, pedophile, was Epstein. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, anyway, so they had must run segments. And since the airing of that episode, John Oliver's episode, talking about all of this, they have pulled back on that a little bit. They don't do as many must-run segments, and specifically Boris Epstein's must-run segments have been dropped completely. They wanted... That happened in December 11th, 2019, and the stated reason for it was to encourage stations to prioritize local investigative journalism and coverage of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. But we don't have any official comment from them about... Wait, it was dropped in 2011? No, 2019. December 11th. 2019. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. But Sinclair still has, for some reason, chosen to be 
in the conservative or right-leaning part of the political spectrum. Yes. Are we supposed to believe that they just gave that up and opted for investigative journalism, which tends to be left-leaning? Well, specifically in the case of Boris Epstein, he his must-run segments of they're gone. Like, And that's not the only one. So there's still other things going on, and that still sucks, but it is better. Now, the specific claim that... The Sinclair Broadcast Group is going to eradicate local news journalism in favor of partisan politics. That is what people are referring to when they talk about the Sinclair effect. And a few people have conducted studies to try to figure out how accurate that claim is. So I found one study at colorado.edu. They looked at six Sinclair stations over the course of six years to examine the effects of the Sinclair takeover. They found that after Sinclair took it over, the coverage of local stories dropped significantly and in a way that suggested that there were budget cuts in the studio itself. They just couldn't cover as many stories. Syndicated content from other stations increased fairly substantially. Stations covered partisan politics less after the acquisition, according to these people. That's interesting. Yes. This is despite the the must-runs that we know exist. So... I think that implies that they were running even more partisan politics before the acquisition. Now, there is a bunch of ways to read this and a bunch of possible rebuttals, but just the the smallest, simplest thing here is there are two sides of partisan politics. Yes. If there's a prescription against running all left-leaning partisan politics, you're going to be running less partisan politics, but you're going to be more partisan. And a lot of times academics try to step back and not categorize things as left or right because yeah. fundamentally that requires a judgment call, which is anathema to good hard science. When you're doing good hard science, you want anyone to be able to look at the data and draw correct and accurate conclusions from pure data. And that's really hard to do if you're munging the data with your bias beforehand. But there's no way to look at, is this story left-leaning or right-leaning without injecting your bias? And that's why we just own it. We just own it. We are biased. We are both somewhat left-leaning. Not as left-leaning as that subreddit we talked about the in the meta segment. The study itself was regrettably paywalled, so I couldn't dive Gross. into the, the specific details. But from what I was able to read, it didn't sound like they were trying to pick favorites with partisanship at all well then that comes to the next concern that i've had or that that i would put forward with complaints like this because i've seen in the past studies saying that oh there's no partisanship going on in insert thing that ever that society feels is obviously partisan things like uh in climate change there's no partisan effect to to people denying climate change look there's people on the left and right and then Scientific studies come out that 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 seem to back this up for at least a few years, and then several years later, we learn that oh, all those studies were backed by one political party or another. How do we know we're not in that situation? And what does it look like if Sinclair is being honest about encouraging investigative journalism versus if Sinclair is being intentionally partisan? How could we tell the difference? So the next source will touch on that a little bit. Okay. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like I'm being a raving conspiracy monger or like I'm I've made up my mind firmly, but if you're going to tell me that Sinclair isn't right-leaning when just a couple years ago they decided to get rid of So these studies are not about Sinclair itself. They are about the content being aired by this the stations before and after Sinclair took over. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you there. But there's an implication that if Sinclair is right-leaning, the stuff and the the stations they own will eventually be right-leaning if it isn't already. If, if they exert creative control, yes. Yeah, and you don't buy s- this many stations without a desire to assert creative control. It's not like these stations are money-making machines. Local stations, there's, there's a lot of easier ways to get really rich than buy a bunch of local stations. So, other things they found. Stations took on a more cable news-style approach. The abstract didn't really elaborate on that all that much, but that is a something that I heard in multiple places, and other places did kind of define what they felt cable news style approaches to be. And so cable news style approach usually means that they're covering more national news instead of more local news, and they use dramatic elements, commentary, and partisan sources. More often? Yeah. The 
talking head and argument model. When you say cable news, that's what I was thinking. So I'm glad somebody defined it. And Yeah, that wasn't these people, but that, that's how it's defined in some other places. These people might define it differently, but they didn't really provide much of a definition. So that's kind of useless. And this is a nebulous topic. What's more newsy? What's yeah. more cable What's more cable newsy? It's One of the last statements that they made in their paper was that they could find no smoking gun for partisan politics. And again, a, a, an academic source is going to need a smoking gun where it is like, they're going to need to see an internal memo that says, here is our plan for becoming right, right-wing partisan shills. And that memo never existed. <laughs> and if it does, it, it won't ever get out. Yeah. This is one of those things that is highly resistant to academic rigor. It's like if we asked, and again, I, I really do trust academics and experts on many things, on almost everything, definitely things that are just objective and evidence-based and science-based, like COVID. You can take COVID, you can put it in a lab, you can run experiments on it, you'll get the same results every time. That doesn't work when you're trying to divine the behavior of another person because a person can change their behavior in a lab environment. So if you want to go figure out what another person is doing, you have to account for the fact that they're counter-strategizing. So if the Sinclair Media Group saw that it got so bad that John Oliver, you know, a big HBO, a big-time commentator, talked about him and, and there was a meme on the internet, not just a picture image format, but I mean the concept of calling it the Sinclair effect, they might just back off for a couple years. If their plan is long-term control, it's not like they don't still own all these stations. They can just exert control slower now that they have it. Maybe they're backing off because the whole Trump thing fell apart so amazingly. But they'll be there for when the next want-to-be autocrat signs up to be a candidate, and they'll be waiting for major money from the campaigns, or favors, or whatever they're looking for. I don't know. I'm not trying to postulate some huge conspiracy, but these people have motives. They did this for a reason. The other study. Oh my god. There's another one that I was able to find pretty easily. Uh, this one is from newslab.org, and they have a link to the specific academic uh, journal where they published. Uh, both of these do, and regrettably both of them are paywalled. I, I couldn't get at details for this one. Newslab.org? Yeah. Do we know them? Mm. Is that a peer-reviewed journal? The Newslab itself is not the journal. They okay. linked to the journal in the article. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so they looked at 14 days before and after Sinclair acquisition uh, at six news stations in three different markets, two stations per market. This, when I said like they, there was a different group that defined cable news, that's, that's this group. coming from this group. Yeah. Uh, they also said that they took on more cable news style approach. They defined it. They said that the Sinclair stations were more likely to cover government and political news. Sinclair stations were more likely to use government representatives, agencies, and the Trump administration as news sources. And the Sinclair stations attributed unknown sources more than the non-Sinclair stations. Okay, so I was going to start asking about this news lab group. I get to buy back some credibility I just used up. Yay! How do we know that this isn't some sort of politically motivated think tank? Who is NewsLab? This is the first time I've heard of them. So, if they are some sort of political think tank, right, if they were, if they came out supporting it, I'd be, how do we know they're not a right-wing think tank? And I would sound more like a delusional conspiracy theorist. But now that they've come out the other way, and they're disagreeing with, you know, a college, how do we know they're not a liberal or left-wing think tank? You have a source, though, don't you? So I can look into this, too. There's News Lab, the Sinclair Effect, local TV bias. Okay. School of Journalism and Media, the University of Mississippi? This is a university also. This is a right-wing university. Well, a university in a right-wing state. Okay, looking through some of the research, I'm more convinced they're not obviously right or left-wing as a think tank. It's a group of university students that are just touching on all kinds of topics. They have some dumb research like I'd expect university students to come up with. Mm -hmm. The use of VR in conflicts res resolution, exploring a deeper point of view, that's... Uh, I mean, VR for training purposes is something that's pretty thoroughly explored and will continue to be explored for the foreseeable future. But yeah, it's, it's a small group of authors. This is just what's coming out of this one university. So it is attached to the University of Mississippi. And that's just the 14 days around, though, right? Yeah. Mm. That does hint at what they want their motive to be before the Sinclair effect was named and coined, and they hypothetically had to back off. And again, everything I'm saying is hypothetical. I'm not claiming to know things. I'm just trying to ask hard questions, because if we can get good answers to hard questions, then we've actually learned something. I specifically picked these two out because they both link to published papers that both agree and disagree 
in certain critical areas. So yeah, this is something that is difficult, as you were saying in the first one. And this is kind of why I didn't really comment much and I wanted to get to the second source. It is difficult to define in a rigorous manner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's like when you're playing a game, any kind of game where it's you versus another person and you're vying for any kind of shared resource, You don't get to know the full state of their information in nearly any game. could be a video game or a card game or something. Their position on the map is hidden or their cards in their hand are hidden. You you still have to act, and you have to act based on their odds. And every time people make plays, they do actions out in the real world, you can see what they're doing. Sinclair has demonstrated they want to do right-wing stuff, and they keep buying news stations. It's pretty obvious. The only time they've backed off is this whole collapse of the trump thing i don't know it could be a it could be a major change but we've seen political administrations fail unless something bigger collapses i wouldn't expect a major change here i think the biggest casualty of this uh, administration collapse is oan yeah yeah oan got dropped from DirecTV. yeah so that's that's gonna cause oan to collapse almost in entirety probably um, yeah unless some other crazy no, I shouldn't say that. Unless some other station comes along and wants to bail them out, which we have no reason right now to believe that they will. Yeah. They're just kind of done. Yeah. And it's not like they can pull in Alex Jones. Alex Jones is kind of small, and he has a really outsized impact for how little he is. But he has very little production overhead. He has a staff of like a dozen people. He doesn't need a ton of money to pay his stuff. So when he got kicked off of YouTube and off of... When he got kicked off the internet... He already built up his own uh, video sharing website, and he already had his own streaming site where you could watch him specifically. And that still brought it, brought in money, but instead of making him rich, it paid his bills, just barely. OAN has newscasters that are all, like, ex-Fox personalities. It has tons of shows. It has multiple studios. It, it has all the trappings of a real news organization, and now they have none of the cash flow. I do think they have a web page also, but... That's not going to pay the bills. Yeah, they can't handle a 95% reduction in revenue or whatever it's going to be. Maybe the contract will just get renegotiated, and maybe instead of uh, them losing all their money, they might lose half their money and have to sign a promise that if they're going to call themselves news, they have to hold themselves to some standard of journalistic integrity. Um, so I've interrupted you a ton. Did you have anything else on the Sinclair merger, the Sinclair consolidation? Mm, not particularly. There was a, forget what it was called, what the episode was supposed to be about, but John Oliver had an episode, I want to say a couple months ago, maybe a little more, where he was talking about how people, I don't remember. How people pronounce Kurtzgesagt? No. It's hard. Not everybody can do it. I'm proposing that we change the structure of the show just a little bit and try to end every episode on a bright spot. At least something comical and silly. I mean, we can try. Okay, okay. So there's an intersection of Republicans and furries. We can totally explore for at least just a few minutes. Okay. For people not familiar with the term, furries are people who like anthropomorphic animals, like cartoon animals that are shaped like people, like Bugs Bunny or or Rocket the Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy. In the most extreme cases, sometimes people dress up in suits to emulate these characters. These are called fursuits, and hyperbolically, furries are treated like they always do this. That isn't the case. Most of them just post in online communities, and you can't even tell who is one or who isn't. Okay. Source for this is Texas Monthly. Texas right now is having primaries for congressional districts. And in one of the congressional districts, the GOP candidate started making completely wild and unfounded claims that are trivial to disprove. The claims start with that the heights of the cafeteria tables in middle schools and high schools are being lowered to better accommodate furries who want to kneel down and eat out of bowls without hands or utensils. That's a bold claim. I don't suppose he specified how much they've been lowered or have any evidence of any kind. So, no, he has no evidence. And when reached out for comment, the school board administrators say that the tables can't even be adjusted. They're a fixed height for, like, safety reasons. That makes a lot of sense. Tables can't collapse. They're solid objects. (laughs) Uh... This person went on to claim that there would be uh, litter boxes in the hallways. For 
the furries. To shit in. In the hallways. Not even the, the bathrooms. In the hallways. And piss in, I presume. Well, yeah, and that's, that's, yeah, litter boxes are both, yes. And the final and most ridiculous claim. The furries, his phrasing, not mine, and it's in, clearly intended to mock already persecuted people. Apparently, the furries identify as animals, and therefore they should be exempt from homework and are getting exemptions from homework because paws and claws and hooves cannot manipulate pens and have difficulty with keyboards. That is obvious and absolute bullshit. It absolutely is. They reached out to some random furry guy who's head of some community, has some credibility, and he's like, this is all stupid, we don't advocate for any of this. But he said it diplomatically. Of course. So... Do you have any response to this, or is it just so dumb that you don't have a response? This is profoundly fucking stupid for a lot of fucking reasons. This is obviously some guy that's just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Now, this isn't the first time that the GOP or a major candidate has thrown... This guy's not a major candidate. He might just get primaried out, and then the Republicans might lose. But this isn't the first time that wild furry nonsense has shown up during a race. Of course. So back in 2018... For a congressional spot in Virginia, Denver Riggleman was running to be a candidate for a congressional district, and he tweeted pictures of his Bigfoot erotica drawing that was to be the cover of his Bigfoot erotica book. Bold. It was titled, The Mating Habits of Bigfoot. Mako's looking at my screen. He's not believing this. That's, uh, that's a thing. I will see if we can get this, this tweet, put in the, the YouTube video. Of course. The sensor bar is gigantic. It's as big as Bigfoot's thigh. Isn't it? Look at that. Yeah, I can see it, yes. So this was the Republican who was running. Okay, one Republican's just going to denounce furries, and then the other one's clearly a Bigfoot furry? Whatever. Fine. But his opponent, Lisa Cockburn. Wow. Not making that up. That's her real name. That's so unfortunate. She is retweeting this guy's Bigfoot dick pics for political reasons that make sense and helped her. Okay, she's retweeting this, these things, and saying, look what my opponent is doing. And this whole time, Denver Riggleman has no platform. His webpage has nothing but vague claims of I'm going to help agriculture. Just that's like seriously the level of what he's got. And she's over here with ideas and plans and like no Bigfoot erotica. Not that Bigfoot erotica should be disqualifying, but maybe, maybe you're a bit distracted. Yeah, at least by the... have a plan and Bigfoot erotica, not no plan and Bigfoot erotica. Yeah, there you go. That's that's all we're asking for, right? If you're going to have a big black sensor bar, have a big plan to go with. <laughs> yeah, seems straightforward to me. So Denver Riggleman denied that he was writing or at all related to Bigfoot erotica. Oh, fun. Claiming it was a joke that his military buddies played on him. Uh-huh. So that doesn't look any better because then it means his military buddies randomly have access to his political candidate account stuff. He has no concept of operational security. Yeah. I don't know which is better, just admitting that you like Bigfoot's dick or admitting that you have no operational security. But if you're a Democrat, you could at least be like, I'm gay, vote for me. <laughs> And it, I mean, look at this Bigfoot man. This guy's got abs. This guy's jacked. Yeah, that's, that's those are definitely abs. That could just be a hairy guy for all I know. If you didn't tell me it was Bigfoot, I'd just be like, fucking hairy. Yeah. You just tell me it's a hairy bodybuilder. I believe you. Anyway, so just one last thing. Riggleman self-published a book in 2006. What was it about? Hunting Bigfoot. I will link to the self-published book in entirety. The PDF is just available. I suppose his friends published in his name as a prank, too. (laughs) Some dude was talking about how he was getting ready to have some sexy times with a woman, and he got on his knees, and he started pulling down her panties. Then suddenly, the room went dark, because he was poked in the eye. Brilliant. Thanks to our sponsor, ABK Customs. If you haven't looked into Ren and paying off your carbon waste, consider checking out our other sponsor, Ren, and their carbon calculator. Link in the show notes. Thanks to Keldar for video and graphics work, and thanks to AlphaWolf294 for transcription. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Our supporters at the evidence investigator level or higher include Jared, Duct Tape, Keldar, Stephen Larrabee, and Kaiju Helena. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. If you aren't sure where to do any of those things, you can read the show notes, transcripts, or listen online at disevidentia.com, support us financially at patreon.com slash disevidentia, 
You can chat with us on our subreddit, r slash Disevidentia, tweet at us at Disevidentia, or chat with us on our Discord server, or watch our YouTube videos, links to both in the show notes, or email us, contact at Disevidentia.com. Copyright 2021, Blacktop Studios, Inc. Intro music was Slow by Pit X, used with permission.